welcome to another episode of Untrue Crime, where fiction meets felonies. I'm Alex. And I'm Belle. Today's episode includes content warnings for a stupid protagonist. This is your fair warning that this podcast uses explicit language before someone walks in at the wrong time. As a last warning, today's episode includes no real content warnings. Let's get this started, shall we? We shall. Welcome back to the world of Falcha, where beings from around the world have grouped together, hidden from the world by magical borders. Last time we were in the kingdom, we were discussing the first queen, Aldersea Afton, and her brutal murder. If you'll remember, she had a daughter, Irina. Irina Afton took I will not remember. Upon... Thank you very much. Well, not to worry. I'm about to give you a refresher. <laughs> oh, exposition! Don't worry. I have got you. Excellent, excellent. Irina Afton took the throne upon her mother's passing when she was around 15 in dryad years. Now, we come upon near-present day in the kingdom of Falcha. Irina is fully grown, and the kingdom has gone on with little to rock the peace that presides over them. Irina, while she was not her mother, was a good queen, especially considering that she was not what? Irina was a really good queen and had no troubles it, well, in her. <laughs> well, we're not there yet. We're not to her troubles yet. We haven't, we haven't reached her troubles. She has no troubles <laughs> yet. Nothing has happened. Irina, while she was not her mother, was a good queen, especially considering there was not much going on to put her citizens through the ringer. Irina oversaw simple issues that were easily solvable. The first significant issue during her reign came about in 2021, though the kingdom was much the same as it had been 1,011 years ago when we last discussed it. Our story began when Irina was taking her usual stroll along the coast. Irina regularly surveyed the kingdom as it was best to keep an eye on all of her subjects and the world around her. Usually, little happened on her walks. Sometimes people approached her for advice or opinions or just to say hello, but today was different. As she meandered down the rocky shores of Falcha, she noticed a figure on the beach lying there. She ran to his side, finding a male unconscious, but when she turned him over to see who he was, he was unfamiliar to her. This was a shock. Arena knew everyone in the entire kingdom from the land. That was part of her job as the monarch. If she didn't know this person, something was very wrong, either with her or him. Turns out it was him. He introduced himself as Jack, but he was hurt. Irina, though worried, focused on that first, but the boy claimed to be a siren and healed himself with the salt water. This was something she had never seen a siren do, but then she hadn't seen sirens do much. It would be worthwhile to pause to discuss the political climate of Falcha. Falcha can be divided into three sections, the underwater, the underground, and the surface, also known as the land. The surface is what we talked about last time we talked about Falcha. It is the area on land that is above ground and is occupied by the majority of Falcha citizens. From the wooded areas to the shorelines to the hills to the agricultural areas, people live and work all over. However, the majority of it is indeed forest. Irina was very familiar with the surface. It was the most hospitable ecosystem to her, and it was where she had spent most of her life. The underground is composed mostly of the caves and the mines. It is primarily occupied by dwarves, and Arena does not visit quite as often because it can make dryads sick to be underground for prolonged periods of time. Then there is the underwater, composed mainly of the lake, the ocean, and the river. Arena took time on occasion to visit the underwater, but usually from a boat, and eventually she stopped doing that for reasons unknown to the general public. All of these domains are under her rule. The ocean has multiple species living in it, but the sirens live away from the rest of the species such as the merfolk and the mangu. The Siren City functions more like a colony. 
It is under the crown, but it is led by Niall, who does not have an official position in Falcha despite being offered one. Irina is alright with the Sirens being led by Niall so long as they also conform to Falchin law and leadership. After all, following a strong siren is part of siren nature and culture. Therefore, she doesn't have as much of a hand in underwater affairs when it comes to the sirens. They exist within the Falchin sphere, but largely do their own thing. It's a different story for the merfolk and the beings in the river and lake, but they are less pertinent to this episode. They're less pertinent in general. They really are. They, they're very <laughs> simple-minded. I mean, they do things, but like... They're not I very mean, important. There's the river hybrids that, you know, help you make soap. They make soap. That's important. If they didn't have soap, everyone would be very sad, actually. They would be smelly. But I don't I don't know what the merfolk do, honestly. They're just there. They just live their life. What, what am I talking they're about? They're just having a really know good time. for a fact that Sundrop Rashimi teaches a yoga class and is a wedding planner. No, it's water aerobics. Water aerobics, my dad. <laughs> It's water aerobics and she plans weddings, so they do That's get right. married they quite do often, do partially because of their short lifespans and typically <laughs> overjoyed attitude. <laughs> she's No, she's an event planner. She's not just a wedding planner, oh, right. so she, she also, also plans, plans your funeral. funerals. She can, she can plan your baby shower, your wedding, your funeral. Your, your... egg shower. They're mermaids. Oh, my bad. I forget they lay eggs. Okay. <laughs> because the sirens tended to be aggressive, there was little that Irina did to manage them, and because they lived deep in the sea, she rarely saw them or interfered with their affairs. Their magic was not something she was keenly familiar with, and the research that had been done on sirens in the past that was taught in schools was vague and flawed. Therefore, it did not raise a red flag for Irina when Jack healed himself with salt water, which was something sirens could not do. She also assumed that she did not recognize him because he was a sirens, and the sirens did not interact with the surface often. He requested a gemstone, and she provided him with one, which he used to perform a ritual that transformed his tail into a pair of legs. Which gemstone? He didn't specify. He just wanted any gemstone, and if you're thinking, hey, that sounds a little inspecific for a magical ritual. Seems like you would need a specific kind of gemstone. You would be right. It it just seems like maybe when you're transforming a tail into a pair of legs that the gemstone should be near water. Because how else would they know how to do the ritual if they did not have access to the gemstones? And also, people don't just like to throw gemstones overboard. They don't. Also, like, if you're going to be performing a ritual to physically change your tail into legs, I feel like you want the exact specific thing that you need. Yeah. So... Anyway, there's something fishy about all of this. Oh. Ha ha. Ha ha. Everyone laughed. Okay. She provided him with clothes and did her best to be kind. He met clothes. He was naked. He was naked. He was naked as a newborn baby when he transformed. Oh. Nothing there. What she actually did was at first, she was like, oh, and then she made some moss grow over him, and she was like, I'll get you clothes. She didn't want to be involved okay, in all that. <laughs> she didn't want to see what was lacking underneath that moss, so. He met two other citizens, one of whom would testify at his trial, Phineas Fathoms. 
Aeneas showed him around a shipwreck which had run aground in Falcha in 1549. The ship was above water and had been filled with a crew of humans who were dead upon arrival, as no living being can pass through the borders, nor can any undead. The bodies had long since been removed and buried, so Jack decided to take it as his home, as he claimed it reminded him of the ships he had sailed on before being murdered by his crew and becoming a siren. But Irina was unnerved when she was approached by Wicker, who said that he wanted to bring humans to Falcha, something banned by Falchian law. Wicker was a purple pixie that sat on Irina's council. She was practical- Is there something special about being purple? No, I like, just thought it... I'd include it. I just thought it was nice that she's purple. Oh, okay. She's very pretty. I like her. Okay. She was practical and very good at her job in general, as she was a founder of Falchia and had been serving the crown since the beginning. She was also Aldersey Afton's former best friend. Side note, there will be a lot of names in this episode, but the most important players are Jack and Arena. Niall, Celine, and Wicker are also significant. Most other names, not super important. Or, I'll, like, I'll give a refresher as we go along. So, just for ease. Jack later admitted that he had come through the borders. In the thousands of years that Arena had been alive, this had never happened. No one had been able to come in from the outside. Paranoid, she turned to Ezekiel, a seer who was connected to the god of prophecy. She was able to look into the future, but there could be mistakes and things were not always clear. Prophecy is by no means an exact science. Because of this, the meeting was done in secret. Consulting seers was rather taboo for a queen to do, considering the dubious natures of their visions. What she saw convinced her that something was wrong with Jack. She began asking questions of those he'd interacted with and went to another counselor of hers, who did not trust his arrival either. She confronted him to find out how he got in, but learned nothing. All that occurred was Irina realizing he carried a knife when coming to meet her. It was confiscated by her bodyguard, an orc named Grok. Irina dispatched another counselor, Selene, to investigate. Selene, a vampire, practiced medicine and was supposed to determine what Jack was, as his sirenhood had been called into question as well by Saturn, a pixie who had done research on sirens. And what color is Saturn? That's a you question, as they are your character. That's so true. Saturn is like a yellowish-orange. Really? Their name is very specific, yeah. I thought it was like a- I thought- I thought Saturn was like very like light baby blue. Oh, good thing I didn't answer, because- That's Neptune. I was wrong. <laughs> well, not the planet. I, na I named them after a planet. What, did you expect me to not make them look like the planet? I don't know. I don't know anything about what you chose to do. I didn't ask you questions okay. when you made Saturn. I just said, okay. Note to the listeners, this is a collaborative universe that we have worked together on. So, mm -hmm. not all of these characters are my creation. Unlike in some or other mine. Episodes. Some of them are not either of ours. This is true. They took the chance to ask questions too, but Jack had a limited ability to speak any language that they knew. Sirens sometimes communicated in a form of sign language called myrrh, which was common among underwater species. However, sirens do have their own unique language that they use communicating through singing. Therefore, they got the help of a siren named Juniper to assist, and the researcher Saturn, as well as Arena's bodyguard, came with. It became apparent that Jack looked nothing like the siren that was there to translate. 
Upon the medical examination that he consented to, it was discovered that he was warm to the touch, lacked gills, and had a heartbeat. Things went sideways. The researcher said that the translator was going to kill Jack for being male, as sirens have a negative relationship with males. More on that later. Celine, acting fast, cast a spell that locked both the translator and Jack in magical bubbles to prevent either from hurting the other. More people became wrapped up in the mess when Celine dispatched Arena's bodyguard to find a woman who could talk to the siren translator to calm her down. He ran into a girl, and then he brought with him Counselor Wicker. Celine asked Wicker to escort Jack, still in a bubble, to the dungeons and to call a council meeting, which she did. The translator was angry about being trapped and returned to the water where she reported it to Niall Benthic, leader of the Sirens. Strife between the surface and the underwater came to a head, but Jack was released as there was not enough to keep him in prison. However, they received word from a siren that Jack was stockpiling weapons. Upon the shipwreck being searched by Irina, her bodyguard, Phineas, and others, it was discovered that this was true and he was re-arrested. Jack's trial took place on the 270th day of the year. Criminal court in Falcha was pretty straightforward and much like our own justice system. The prosecution would present their case, the defense would have the chance to ask questions, the defense would present their case, and the prosecution would have the chance to ask questions, and finally, the queen gave her verdict, and if necessary, a sentence. The trial began with only two charges against Jack, treason and conspiracy against the monarchy to which he pled innocent. Wicker attempted- he, Why is he being charged with treason if he's not a Falcha citizen? Because he had arrived in Falcha, and generally once you're in Falcha, you're a Falcha citizen, unless you specifically say, I do not want to be a Falcha citizen, in which case they would say, okay, get out. So d did he say he wanted to be a Falchian citizen? He never said he didn't want to be a Falchian citizen, but then again, it was hard for him to say much. So no one really knew. Right. The general policy okay. is once you're in Falcha, you are Falchian. Because of their closed border policies, so there's no such thing as like my my only issue with that card. is that, and I'm not I'm not gonna defend him very much, but I will say that it is very wrong to expect someone to abide by rules that they can't understand or haven't been told about. Ah, not to worry. Get to that. Okay. Wicker attempted to add the charges of sabotage and unlawful immigration as she believed the borders had been tampered with considering he was able to cross and because he had entered the kingdom without authorization from the queen. Only sabotage was added as there was no official law about immigration considering it was supposed to be impossible considering the state of the borders. Sabotage was addressed first. Wicker stated that since Jack was a living being and no living being was supposed to be able to cross the borders, he must have done something to them. Selene testified that he was, indeed, a living being based on her examination. This meant he was not a siren, and that was examined next. Niall, along with all of the sirens in her school, testified that he was not a siren. This added fraud to the charges. I'd like to say for the, for the record, in case, well, actually, no one, no one really knows. There are about 52 sirens in their school, and these women tend to range from uh, you know, six foot to eight feet tall. Yes. And all of Every them single one up. of them testified. All of them. Every single one of them. Every single one showed up. Because anyone with relevant information is permitted to testify in Falchion Court. Okay, they all, 53, have information on what it means to be a siren because they are sirens. They also didn't like him very much. <laughs> I will say that. It wasn't relevant information, but they did want to see him go. Treason was the next charge addressed. 
According to the siren that found the weapons, Hunter Benthic, she was swimming around the shore when she went to the shipwreck and found the weapons. A fresh knife not from Falchion Waters, three shards of glass, a trident-like stick, a fishing spear with a sharpening stone, and four sharpened shells. She remarked on the poor quality of the weapons, but stated that they were, in fact, weapons. This fact was easily backed up by the search of the shipwreck conducted by Irina, Selene, and others, where they had found the weapons, just as Hunter said. Irina asked Jack what his purposes for having such weapons were, but he denied owning them in the first place. Irina's bodyguard spoke about the time when Jack had attempted to attack her with a knife, and then Selene retook the stand. She spoke about his hostilities on the beach and how he rebuked her authority as a council member. She stated that, given the weapons found, she believed that if he had had the opportunity, he would have attacked her, a council member, which is an act of treason on Falchion soil. Selene reminded everyone that the instances of lying to the crown, harboring illegal weapons, the attempts to attack multiple council members, and the queen made him guilty of treason. Harboring illegal weapons and lying were separate issues, not actually qualifications of treason, but the attacks on the council members, as Selene and Wicker both were on the shore, and the one on the queen did constitute treason. Irina submitted new evidence at that point, something permitted in Falchon trials. Jack had attempted to take her surname, Afton, as his own surname. She decreed that, coupled with his other actions, it may have been an unlawful stake to the throne. After all, the Afton surname only belonged to Irina and her royal, though deceased, family members in Falcha. With that, the prosecution rested its case. The time came for Jack to cross-examine witnesses. The first he decided to question was Selene, but he took his sweet time getting to the point. His first question was that, if he was not a siren, how did he possess a tail when Arena found it? This was easily answerable by Selene, as many species, not just sirens, had similar tails. <laughs> Merfolk, Mangu, the plural form of Jengu, Barrow, and some beast people possessed fish-like tails, and they were all alive like Jack. It was posited that his tail was a form of illusion or shape-shifting magic. She also took the time to draw everyone's attention to the actual sirens present and how different they appeared from Jack. It became clear to All the 53. It became clear to the spectators that Jack was not a siren like the 53 present, and that there's plenty of evidence why he was not. Jack accused the sirens of not being sirens, but Irina quickly shut this down and forced him back on topic, so he asked Selene what he could be if he were not a siren. But Selene stated that she was not able to conduct a full medical examination, and thus she did not know. This was not something that was required of Jack, as medical examinations must be done with patient consent and falchia. She did, however, posit theories, such as that he was a form of magical practitioner like a sorcerer. With Jack's lack of pertinent questions, he turned his sights to Wicker. After calling Wicker a fairy instead of a pixie and ignoring any correction, attempting to argue with Wicker what species she was, he questioned whether she was a reliable witness when it came to border security. This was rather laughable to most people who knew Wicker. Here is her reply. Credentials? All right, here are my credentials. I helped create the borders. I put my entire magical force into those walls to the extent that I was nearly dead. Once partly recovered, I returned each day to strengthen them for many, many years along with my fellow founders. I was the one that watched as Aldersea Afton, our first queen and the one to make our kingdom a reality, stayed at the border side for weeks, pouring her magic into it. Jack, I nailed those borders up, and if that is not enough, I have more. Myself, my fellow founders, and the queen are the only ones that understand the properties of the borders in full. That can assure that I know what I am saying. 
I was also part of the group that completely shut the borders when they were to be fully sealed. Do my credentials live up to the court's standards? I would like to note that Wicker uses an extremely squeaky high voice because she's itty bitty. I can't really do I it. Just scroll, I just scrolled down and I saw the beginning of Jack's testimony. <laughs> I did include it. I'm so excited for you to read that. Irina confirmed that her credentials did live up to the court standards. With Jack in his place, he foolishly began to question Niall and asked her if male sirens could be born. It could, though sirens reproducing was rare. When male sirens are born, they are traditionally eaten, but that was against Valchin law, so instead, within the kingdom, they are sent to live with the merfolk. This is because a key component of the creation of a siren is that they were women brutally murdered by men. Sirens possess deep trauma related to men and they do not want to be around them. This is why the translator was upset and why it is so rare for male sirens to even exist. Male sirens can only ever be born, not created. This is another strike against him as he was previously claiming that he had been created when he was murdered by his shipmates, which would be impossible considering that he was male. Jack said that it was oh possible God. that he escaped being killed by grown sirens before they knew of his existence. This was a very out there claim, as he would have been an infant making it difficult to escape from any siren that gave birth to him. And if he had been born inside of Falcha, he wouldn't have had to escape because he would have been given to the merfolk. However, there are only two male sirens in Falcha, both of whom are recorded and live with the merfolk. They're gay. At this point, the sirens- The male sirens are gay. I assumed so. I just- I just thought I would say it. They, they're not related, but they are gay. They just- they just happen to be- or, or male sirens Yeah, they just, like, they just, they are not naturally gay. <laughs> it can happen, though. Like, it's not like a, most, most sirens are gay. That's just how they end up. They just prefer female companionship, even if they were straight on land. Okay. Some of them do retain some of their straightness, but I would presume that this somehow fell over to the men. But the I two would male also presume that foreign the- sirens just happened to be gay. It's not a requirement yeah, to be a siren to be. <laughs> At this point, the sirens became upset. Niall had to stop them from attacking Jack, which would have been a crime. And Counselor Numa, a dragon, had to intervene. She roared, her version of banging a gavel, and it worked, though it contributed to the chaos in a different way, as Wicker, with her sensitive hearing, did not fare well having had her eardrums damaged, so Celine had to jump into action to assist her medically. Luckily, magic helped, and Wicker went on to be fine. The cross-examination concluded, and Jack began to make his case. His, what was later revealed to be an unwillingness to speak properly, made the whole thing difficult to understand, but I will provide a translation after. Oh my god, I'm so excited. Here we go. I'm so excited for this. I Siren, born Siren, escaped murder. It is my destiny to come. I was told by gods. God said go here. Find Afton. You Afton. I Jack Afton because school. Old school all gone. Came here. Destiny. I actually wanted to help. Weapons were for protecting. Protect you. At beach I use knife because he is bad scary man. Threat. Female sirens dangerous. They kill us. But we stronger. We faster. That is why they hate me. They planted weapons. I had no weapons. Only had knife. Knife is for protection. No other weapons. Female siren is liar. I know treason because I came here for good. It was destiny. Jack's destiny. Me, Jack. My destiny. And you liked me. 
You liked me on beach, gave me pants. You betrays me, Irina. You is worst friend. Why you do not like me anymore is mystery. Probably lies. Fairy lies. All I want is destiny. You, my friend. Finn, my friend. He will tell I am good. In summary, he claimed that the god said it was his destiny to come to Falcha and find Irina and that the weapons were for protecting Falcha. He said that the sirens had planted the weapons in the shipwreck and became very upset. The entire testimony was confusing, difficult to understand, and full of unrelated comments, and it was hard to distinguish for those present. I, I don't think you mentioned that he denied having a lawyer. <laughs> it is Falchion right to have a lawyer, and he said, no, he I will a, protect myself. He does have a Falchion right to have other people defend him if he wants to, but he chose to defend himself. What was clear was that at the end, he called Phineas Fathoms as a character witness. Phineas had met Jack once. During that one meeting, he decided to move into the shipwreck, which Phineas had liked to explore previously, so he wasn't much of a character witness. He expressed how he could not testify on Jack's character and was permitted to return to being a spectator. However, Phineas's anxiety about testifying upset the dragon Nafel Wendelin, his best friend and Counselor Numa's fiancé. She spoke out of turn to express how mean Jack was for taking the ship away from Phineas and also raised the issue that he took everything, including Arena's pants, which were given to him by Arena when he washed up as he was naked. Her testimony is as follows. He stole his ship. That ship had been a shiny hunter home for many of his lifetimes. His heritage was there, and this thing stole it from him within the first day of being here. I cannot imagine how heartbreaking and how awful that must feel for him. He must be broken, shattered. He just found a shiny there. Who knows if there could be more? This is clearly a sign. He came taking things. The shiny hunter boat, Irina's pants, shiny hunter's happiness. If his actions are not indicative, that is a clear sign from the gods. That is all. I'd like to state that I write Nafel. I actually have all of the dragons in Falcha. Yes, that was written by Because if you've met me, uh, that's me. That was, that was written by me. For reference for the audience that does not know what a shiny hunter is, these are treasure hunters. She is old enough to have seen many of Phineas's line, which are all treasure hunters. So she just defines them all as shiny hunters because she likes the shiny things. So she's been a friend of their family for quite a long time. Yeah, they are... That is not their official job title. No, it is not. No, that is what she calls them. But she refers to the treasure that they find as the Shinies. The outburst was agreed upon by others, and Arena, while acknowledging it was not up to Navel to speak, agreed that it was odd that he wanted the boat so badly when it was associated with humankind. Jack snarled at Nafel, Nafel snarled back. It was all very tense. I would, I would like to state that for the audience, if Jack was a siren, would technically have the ability to growl, to purr, and to snarl. Jack is not a siren and has made a guttural noise that sounds like, how? <laughs> it made a really awful <laughs> Nafel is a dragon that is about 10 feet tall and has growled and snarled back at him. The audience was on the edge of their seats. Then everyone heard from Niall again, who reminded the gathered that boats are places of trauma for sirens, and they don't like being around them. 
This was agreed upon by all of the sirens. She and Jack nearly got into it, but Arena diverted and asked Jack if he had any more to add to his defense. All he did was accuse the trial of being rigged and everyone of hating him, the latter of which was true. Desperately, he tried to call on a counselor who went between the underwater and the surface to assert that he was a siren, but she disagreed. She stated, Jack, to my knowledge, is no siren. I have worked with sirens for years, delivering messages that need to go to the underwater. Some have even granted me the honor of calling me friend. While I am a Selkie and do not bear the title of siren, and while I think their testimony to his lack of sirenhood should be evidence enough, I can agree that he is most certainly not a siren. I feel like that was already decided. Jack, you really need to stop acting like you are a siren. Counselor Celine, Niall, the entire Benthic school, and I have said that you are not one, and your charge is on treason. That is what will get you executed. Maybe focus on that instead of your silly, childish, unsupported claims. She sat back down without another word. He evidently took the advice and began to say that he was never aggressive, which Counselor Celine rebuked. I'd like to remind the audience that he snarled at a dragon. Yes. Then Jack cried and attempted to condemn Irina's bodyguard as being a monster for being the species that he was born as. None of the prosecution felt the need to question Jack any further on his scattered, poorly given side of the story. Irina allowed multiple counselors to give their advice on a verdict and all believed him guilty and felt the full extent of the law should be used to protect the kingdom. Irina declared him guilty and sentenced him to death in accordance with the punishment for treason. However, as Jack began raging in perfectly plain speech, Nathel bent down and ate him before he could be given an official execution. That, Irina, on the advice of her counselors, decided was not a crime, and they let it go with the resolution that they would make a law about who could kill someone sentenced to death later. Thus concludes the treasonous trial of Jack. I want y'all to know how fast she ate Jack as well, and how casually it was done. It was a snap. Nafel was trotting back to her wife, like, full-on trot. Imagine a horse. That was Nafel. And then just swooped her head down and, like, threw him into the air and gobbled him up. In a, in a Chains moment. and all. It was very quick. No one really knew what had happened. He was chained to a boulder during his trial. Was Did she eat the boulder, too? I don't remember. So, Nafel, when she eats things, she has fire, so she heats them up in her mouth and then pretty much just melts them. She, so she might have swallowed the chains, but she probably just crushed the boulder because she's a 10-foot-tall dragon. Yeah. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. Send in your thoughts, theories, questions, and comments to untruekindthepodcast at gmail.com, all lowercase, for a chance to be featured at the end of the season during our Q&A. Bye! Bye! <laughs>